You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Belly on up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. That's Ed. We talk White Sox twice a week. A lot of other people out there would love to hear it more, but I, I don't know. I mean, do you really, do you really want to hear me pop off about crazy stuff every once in a while? More? I mean, is that something that I, I, I can't do it? I really. If can't. that's what the people want, I, I, I don't know how your sanity would, would fare. We'd be, <laughs> we'd be trying to replace you within a few weeks because you'd be in a padded room somewhere with no belt or shoelaces. Well, and the thing is, is that I, I, part of me feels like I operate better when there's problems, and there really aren't very many problems on this team. Like, you know, how often do you want to hear me tell you how great this team is? Like, uh, it, it's a great team, and we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. And I'm so mad how good this team is. <laughs> I know. You know, I mean, like, there are things that, you know, still aggravate me, but luckily it seems to me that the White Sox listen to me. Like, I, I, a couple yeah, of yes. weeks ago, <laughs> that's true. a couple of weeks ago we did a show, and that show brought to you, like every other show, by Family Waterproofing Solutions, uh, including this show brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Visit them at FamilyDry.com. See all that they can do to get water away from your home, out of your home, and not let it into your home and protect your foundation, your basement, everything that matters to you. Uh, Flooding stinks. It's, It's absolutely terrible. Water in the house stinks. Uh, do something about it ahead of time. Take preventative measures. Talk to them if you're having issues right now. FamilyDry.com or give them a call. 708-330-4466. Mention us and you get money off. All right. So there was this show uh, a little while back where I went off on things that I didn't enjoy at the White Sox game. And uh, my sister's been there since then. And my dad's been there since then. And I think I I yelled that I wasn't a big fan of uh, a practice that was going on in our section about somebody who kept checking to see if people were in their exact seat, even though there were empty seats all over the place and they had tickets to that section. Um, That has stopped. Oh, good. And then also uh, the the parking, the parking issue where you couldn't head south if you were in the in the lots that are on the north side of the ballpark. That seems to have been fixed as well. Also good. Look, I don't yell about it because I think they listen to me and I want them to change things. I yell about it because I I honestly was upset about those things. But clearly somebody listened to it. And the good. That that's that's how it should operate. You got fan input and then you were like, "Whoa, we're screwing this up." And you fixed it. So I mean, it's it's like even when I get angry, they're doing a great job right now fixing, you know, my little problems. This guy in his basement who spouts off on his podcast, they're like, "Whoa, whoa, hold on a second. Is that what's really going on? Let's fix this. I would I would still like them to fix the fact the 300 level can't get food from the 100 level and they got rid of all of the good stuff that's up there. So basically you get like a hot dog that is even done on the grill with the on- like you can smell the dogs with the onions in the 300 level, but you can't get them. But you can't get them. You can't get yeah. those. You get a different type of hot dog up there that isn't as good as that. And those people are paying more money, which is insane. I would imagine next year you're going to have a lot of season ticket holders moving to other sections of the ballpark and not buying those expensive seats if that's how they intend to operate going forward. But generally, they're they're a really good organization that's doing a lot of really good things. And one of the things I wanted to look at is what we talked about in the offseason coming into this year and guys that needed to be replaced for one reason or another. 
And how have the White Sox fared? Because it's obvious the pitching staff is better, Ed. That's clear. They got better starters. They've got better relievers. They, they've got a few guys that are dealing with little injuries. It looks like Giolito may miss a start. Lynn's missing a start. But overall, everybody's healthy. And they've put together a really good staff. But looking at the players and the depth, I, I think that's something to look at today. Well, yeah. And, and you know, we were gnashing our teeth over some of these decisions and looking really hard at the free agent market and the trade market to try and figure it out and try and figure out where this team could take it. And and frankly, it is also, you know, I think if you take a look where they sit right now and some of the things that have transpired during the season are, you know, eye opening as far as what we were talking about to start the season. So can I, can I start this off by playing a little, would you rather with you? Oh, Okay. Okay. A, a, a little player, would you rather? Because I think it leads. I think it leads into a little bit of this conversation here. So you've got a guy. We were looking for left-handed power. You've got a guy who, over a 162 game average, has 22 home runs, a 238 batting average, and a 762 OPS. Or you've got a guy who, over a 162 game average has a 795 OPS, good for a 231 batting average, and an average of 27 home runs. Or you've got a guy who's got an 865 OPS, who over the course of 162 games would be averaging just about 43 home runs (laughs) and good for a 239 batting average. Which feller do you take? Well, the guy at the end. I mean, that's probably where I would lean, but I kind of know who he is. Like, can I guess? Well, who do you think the first guy was? I don't know. I got lost. You gave me three guys. There's all these stats. Okay, we'll go in reverse order. Who's who's the guy? Who's the last guy? The, guy the last guy's the last guy is Sheets, right? The last guy is Sheets. The yeah. middle guy was Jock Peterson. Okay. And the first guy was the guy we got, Jake Lamb, who just got DFA'd. Who got DFA'd? And we talked about yeah. this about a week ago, maybe. And maybe even sooner than that, go back and listen to all the old yeah. shows on SoxInTheBasement.com or anywhere podcasts can be found and, and, and check them all out. They're always on demand. And we try to do a, We try as hard as we can on this show to talk big picture because the season moves fast. And just talking about what happened in the last series gets old if you don't hear it. But you can listen to the older shows and a lot of the stuff still applies. And we try to make it so that, you know, if you fall behind, you can catch up and you won't feel like you're listening to old news. But we talked about this. We talked about Berger. I mean, I was leaning towards him, but we talked about Sheets. And I said, one of these guys has to come up. You know, one of of these guys, I think, should be on the playoff roster. One of these guys has to come up, show what they can do in the month of September. And if they do very well, then you got to put them on the roster. And I'm still very strongly leaning towards the idea of if you're only going to have four starting pitchers and you're not going to bring Dallas Keuchel, because I think that's what you'll end up doing. And you you bring a complement of eight relief pitchers because why bring guys that aren't good enough? You're not going to use them anyway. People always say like, oh, you know, you, you can bring this guy too. I mean, he has his ups and his downs. I don't want anybody with an up and a down. When you have this bullpen, it's all hands on deck. And if you can only pitch, ups. you're out there. Right. Only ups. That's all I want. So go with the best and don't worry about making it 13 and 13 on your 26 man playoff roster and keep 12 pitchers. And then have that extra bat that you could use because if you use your most optimal lineups, and we've gone over this, so I'm not going to get crazy with it right now. If you use your most optimal lineups on this team versus left-handed pitching and right-handed pitching, your best guy on the bench against a lefty, if you need an extra guy, is Leary Garcia. 
followed probably by Adam Angle, based upon their stats this year and in their career. And then against righties, if you bring Sheets along, Sheets is the best guy sitting on your bench against a right-handed pitcher. I'm saying you can keep Goodwin, and you can keep Hamilton. And you can make that player that basically Hamilton's against lefties and Goodwin's against righties. But wouldn't it be great if you also had an excellent backup to that so you can play more games, especially late in the game with, with, with matchups and things like that? If you have Sheets and Garcia also sitting there where they could come in for a pinch hit, depending on if it's a lefty or a righty, and you bring in a guy like Sheets, who I know it's a small sample size, but after his first game back, his OPS versus right-handed pitching is over 1,000. I mean, I don't know yeah. if that's where it'll, I don't. I don't think that's where it'll be when you get to to the playoffs. I don't think he can maintain that. But if he's in the nine hundreds or the high eight hundreds, and he's doing what you're talking about, yes, definitely he should be on the team. And back to your original point, okay? In the off season, the White Sox made a play for Jack Peterson. Why did they make a play for Jack Peterson? They wanted a guy who could be an outfielder slash DH because you needed to replace Edwin Encarnacion, right? He needed to be gone. Right. Because he was he was worthless last year. And you tried to get him and he thought he could get more money. So then you go with Adam Eaton because he's your second choice. And you can argue whether or not that was the best second choice out there. And definitely he wasn't a good choice because he, he didn't even make it through half of the season with the team. And then Peterson gets kind of screwed because he nobody else has the money the White Sox offered him. That, that seems all very obvious based upon reports and comments that were made in L.A. newspapers when they were talking to Peterson and people around him that he turned down a deal and ended up with less money, and he was their target. Yeah, and and, and he made some semblance of sense. And what was the, the big knock on Jock Peterson was, well, he's, he's kind of bad against lefties, and that's true, but so is Jake Lamb and so is Gavin Sheets, and, and a lot of lefty thumpers are. You know, we're not talking about guys who are going to be all-world necessarily. Sheets has the best chance to to improve at this stage of his career. But what the Sox ended up doing was they ended up doing this thing where they they went after a guy that was going to fit a bill. When they didn't get him, they went after a guy that sort of fit another niche in in Eaton because they're not the same player. And then they picked a guy up off the scrap heap that was Jock Peterson light. He was diet Jock in Jake Lamb. And when Sheets has emerged... Now you are sitting in a different position than what we talked about at the start of the season or in the off season, as far as replacing some of these guys. So how, you know, wh- where do you think we've ended up in terms of finding a replacement for James McCann, who was never coming back, finding that replacement for Encarnacion, who was basically awful, and some of these other holes that we needed to fill? I don't know. Once you said diet jack, I got thirsty. So uh, I'm going to need a moment. <laughs> um, well... Remember when you're down at the ballpark at Cork and Carry at the park is the south side tradition in the shadow of the ballpark that you should go to pregame, postgame, and if you don't have tickets, during the game, all right? They've got the insane, insane menu with award-winning burgers. The food comes out very quickly. It's got a great price on it. And you know what? You, you don't have to deal with the hassle in the ballpark. You don't, you don't have to you don't have to sit there and say, well, I'm going to get in there and then probably about like the second inning I'm going to order. And if I'm using that app, it might show up by the sixth inning. And, you know, the lines get long during games and it gets really busy. All the stuff that's going on right now, I know they want to make it better in there, but you can avoid that hassle and you can head over to the Cork. Indoor, outdoor seating, great food, award-winning burgers. Uh, it's at 33rd in Princeton. 
Get your butt over there and check it out. I get so many people that send me messages, Ed, and say, I had not gone over there. You talk about it all the time on the show. And I said, why am I? Why am I worrying about what I'm going to get inside the ballpark? I'm going to go check this out. And this is now my new thing. I'm going in there and I'm going to do this all the time. So check them out at Cork and Carry at the park.com. Why, why get the bad 300 level hot dog when you could have one of their fantastic burgers instead? Right, exactly. Why would you do that? Check out their entire menu, Cork and Carry at the park.com. All right. So let's get back to what you're talking about. I, I actually was looking at the three guys. There were three guys that I identified that uh, at the beginning of the year, I went back to the notes that I had. And it was Edwin Encarnacion, Nomar Mazara, and James McCann. Those were, those were really the three guys that either they thought was going to be an impact in 2020 or was an impact in 2020, and they were no longer going to be on the team. And when you look at what they replaced it with, would you rather have an Edwin Encarnacion come back or would you rather have Andrew Vaughn? Andrew Vaughn, even though his splits against righties is not that good right now, he's under 700 with his OPS, is still better than what Edwin Encarnacion was against them. And he's got an OPS of over 1,000 against lefties. And he can play defense. You know, it it may not have been the original intent, although it did seem to be the original intent that he was going to be the DH. So maybe it was. But that is an upgrade. When you look at a guy like Nomar Mazzara, look at guys like Billy Hamilton and Brian Goodwin making up a player if you had a straight platoon. And this was a complete happy accident. Because I don't think anybody, including the White Sox, saw this happening while they were going into their spring training. Because both of these guys were released by the teams they were with and ended up out there in the ether and the Sox picked them up and created a player better than what they were able to get in their free agent signing in Eaton. A 793 OPS right now against lefties, this platoon player of Hamilton and Goodwin. 881 OPS against righties. Goodwin goes against righties and, and Hamilton goes against lefties. Compare that to Mazzara, who does pretty much the same thing in 2020 against lefties, which is not something he normally does. His stats were all screwed up. For his career, he's actually a 638 OPS against left-handed pitching. So he was, he was, that's an improvement against lefties. And against righties, the best that he had done was really in 2019. That's why the White Sox went out and got him. He went over what he normally does, had an 844 OPS. Goodwin's doing better than that right now by about 40 points. So, that's an incredible replacement. And then don't even get me started on Zebby Zavala can do just what he's doing right now and have like an OPS that's a little bit below 700 and, and do very well behind the plate because trust me, he's better than James McCann is this year for the Mets. Just take their stats and throw them up there. Yeah. And, and he's a guy you didn't even expect. You were thinking Collins is the backup. You were like, Zavala was never going to get up here. And I would still take Zebby Zavala right now over James McCann in this season. Oh, yeah, McCann, if you haven't been following him, and Lord knows you probably haven't been, uh, (laughs) he has been, you know, 99 games for the Mets this year, 337 plate appearances, so he is taking the bulk of the catching duties. If you thought the guy that was hitting 289, 273 for the Sox with an an OPS over 8 for one year, around 8 for the other year, was the guy that you were getting, 240, a 660 OPS, he is... Not hitting, he only has nine home runs in three times the games that he had with the White Sox last year when he hit seven. I, I, you know, he was lightning in a bottle for a couple of years, and it was one of those things where, you know, the history for him was one great season, a bunch of poor seasons for the for Detroit, 
And with the Mets, he's right back to where he was with Detroit, quite frankly. And yeah, I, I, you don't need Sebi Zavala to be 2019-2020 James McCann. You just need him to be a solid backup catcher because, by the way, you've got Yasmani Grandal as your primary catcher. He's just been a little dinged up this year, so, but but he's back. Listen, you give James McCann too much credit. He had a good half in 2019 and went to the All-Star game. That's if true. you look at his You're second right. half, he was terrible. You're right. And then in 2020, they used him sparingly where he played in only half the games. And he was, and in some of those appearances were just like coming off the bench. And they were using him in special matchups. And they just nursed him through that season because if he's exposed, he's not that good of a hitter. And the Mets swung and missed on something where they, anybody, we said it. We said it on this show multiple times that there, there, there's smoke and mirrors here with this guy. If he was your everyday guy, he would revert back to what he was with the Tigers. And that's exactly what he did with the Mets. The Sox are very smart to not rely on him, not pay him that kind of money, let him go and work with what they had in-house. I think it was excellent. Now, getting the Grandal, though, let's do a feature on a player. And we might do this a few times leading up to the postseason. This player being featured is brought to you by Evil Horse Brewing Company. Evil Horse is located at the end of the Dixie Highway Brewery Trail, 1338 Main Street in Crete, Illinois. Check them out at evilhorsebrewing.com. They have an insane beer list. You want to check out what they have to offer. Uh, You want to see the award-winning beers that are sitting on tap. These guys win awards, and they are having a big event that is coming up. Uh, It is going to be the Dixie Highway Brewery Trail Oktoberfest event. Uh, Blue Island Beer Company is where that's going to be located, but Evil Horse is going to be there. They're one of the organizers. We're talking like eight or so breweries all south side having like, you know, a big beer festival, and it's going to be happening on September the 26th. Go to Eventbrite, look up Dixie Highway Brewery Trail, less than 100 passes left for this event. You're going to want to get in on that. All right, Yasmani Grandal. He has had a great week back. I want to just tell you what he's done in his first seven days back. 529 batting average. 529. A 1353 slugging, and his OPS is a hair under 2,000. Two, <laughs> zero, zero, zero. 22 plate appearances in his first five games back, and the guy ends up with 17 at-bats because he, ha- he ends up with, with walks, right? So, so right. In, in the end, it's 17 actual official at-bats, and in those at-bats, in those 17 at-bats, he has nine hits. And six of them, two-thirds of them are extra base hits, two doubles, and four home runs. If you get a guy that does that in the postseason, your team does not lose the series that he does that in. No, no. That is like MVP of the series kind of a thing. Yeah, that's, it's insane. And expecting it to continue that all the way into the postseason and be that way is, is also insane. But he has come back with an absolute vengeance. Yeah. I, I also wanted, though, and this is the featured thing, I wanted to kind of just tell people about. I found this great stat when I was looking up Yasmani. Uh, His clutch stats. Yasmani Grandal basically hits around 200 this season, depending on if there's one run in a game, if there's four runs in a game, early on in the game, right? Early on in the game, he is what he is. And and he is now uh, above the Mendoza line. I believe he's hitting 217 or something close to that. Uh, he is, he's at 217 as we as we sit here today. Yeah, well, that's what a week of 500-plus average, batting average, will do for <laughs> exactly, you. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah. late in a game, and it's close, Baseball Reference has identified uh, 27 games in which it's late and it's close. 
Yasmani Grandal goes from being a basic 200 hitter to hitting 304 over those 27 games and 31 plate appearances where it's late in the game and close with a on-base percentage of 467, a slugging of 826, and an OPS that would be 1293. And on top of that, in any situation in a game, with two outs and runners in scoring position, Yasmani Grandal has had 26 plate appearances this season with two outs and runners in scoring position. He has hit 400 with a 538 on base percentage, slugged 1115 with an OPS of 1688. He has four home runs and three doubles and knocked in 18 RBI in those 26 plate appearances with two outs and runners in scoring position this year. That, that, that is a postseason star about to go off right here for this team. I am so glad he's back. As you and I are talking about these, the stats that I have in front of me, he has appeared in 68 games this year. Of those games, he has been a part of 41 wins where he has hit 258. His OPS is 1.081. He has 14 home runs, 40 RBIs, 42 walks in those games. More walks than strikeouts as a point of fact. So he struck out 35 times in wins this year. So that's 41 wins where he performs at that level. That is like beyond all-star level. In the 27 losses, it's when he has struggled and he's hit 149. He only has an OPS of 658, 31 strikeouts over only 22 walks, only four home runs. So when Yasmani Grandal is in the game and is going well, he is actually capable, I think, of carrying this team in a very, like you said, with those clutch situations, in very important situations. That's a game changer right there in your lineup. And that's a guy that, frankly... If he is healthy and he is on fire going into the postseason, that will make me feel a heck of a lot better about the White Sox chances against whoever comes out of the wild card, whoever comes out of the division races. Sox in the Basement is part of the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. There are several different shows that are on there. I'm not on all of them, but like people are pushing it that I don't even know, which is really kind of funny. Like It's become like this thing that people are like, oh, wow. It's like 30 minutes every week where they just talk about everything going on on the South Side, like live music, and we make jokes, and we goof off, and some of our jokes are funny, and some of them are not, and we play guitar down here at the bar, and sing songs and act like idiots, but we, we try to be Sounds as an awful lot like a show that I used to be on as part of the broadcast basement <laughs> yeah. radio network that kind of failed. So yeah. I wonder what well, that says about we me. Got rid of, we got rid of you. We moved you to the sock show and we kept the rest of the cast for Southside pod. Uh-huh. But we'll let you hang out with us from time to time. Anyway, uh, one of the more recent shows, I got to visit this place called Davern's Tavern. And I, I, I want to tell you a little bit about it. Cause I thought it was incredible. Um, they are out in justice, Illinois. I, I mean, like this place, as you pull up, you go, wow, this is kind of like an old style pub. And, it, it, you know, I don't expect it to be big. It's got this great bar on the inside of it. You go in the back. They've got a they've got an incredible party room that's sitting back there with another bar that's in it. You go outside and their beer garden is like what a beer garden should be like. There's there's seating. They'll, they'll bring in like different vendors that will do food for different events, even though they make incredible sandwiches there and they, they've got a great menu. But but they have like professional bags setups they they actually these are not like somebody brings out some boards and throws them on concrete it's like a like a grass field with concrete like settings where the bags these are like the actual ones they do in tournaments that like like professionals use and then they have professional tournaments 
And I was learning about this place for that podcast. And it was, it was like, they, they host like these massive bags events. Now, if you're an amateur, you can get in there and you can play. Okay. They, they, they've got amateur stuff. You can try your hand at tournaments, but then they have guys that show up that are like on ESPN and play bags and they, they come in there like once a week. And that, that's, that's what they do. It's, it's really something to check out. They, I mean, they've got great beer. They've got great food. They got a very extensive menu. You can check it out at DavernsTavern.com. But I thought it was just, just a cool spot out there. And if you're out in that area, you know, we've never talked about any bars that are in that area of the city, right? I mean, it, so if you're not down at the ballpark or anything like that, you're out there near Justice. It's a place to check out. Davern's Tavern. I'm going to bring up the address real quick and give it to you. 8527 West 79th Street in Justice, Illinois. Cool looking place, actually. Yeah, I know. Check that out and check out Southside Pod if you haven't checked that out yet. Okay, now, I heard something on the post-game show, and it did annoy me. Like, I know we started the show and I said, I don't have very much that annoys me, but I heard something on the post-game show the other night that really annoyed me. And there's absolutely no way I can get through, uh, through the show without saying it. What happened was that Giolito hurts himself a couple days ago, right? And Yeah, all... he tweaks the hamstring a little bit. Exactly. And all the press... You know, Merck's out there, Scott Greger's out there. They're all getting the information out, all these guys that have been on our show before, and they're getting the information out right away that it's like a, a, a hamstring thing. It seems minor. He's being taken out for precaution, everything else like that. And that's what the postgame show believed as well. You know, Garfine and Guillen, that's, that's what they're doing. They're, they're the only two there, and they talk about it. But now Larusa comes out, and in the process of the questions postgame with Larusa, he he says something like he has a knee issue. Now, that's a very different thing, right? But then right. nobody nobody asked a follow-up. Nobody said, hey, we were told it was a hamstring, Tony, or, you know, is, is it is it related to it? Or, like, there were no follow-ups. Now, I wasn't that bothered at that moment about the follow-up not happening. Guillen was upset. Guillen comes back and starts saying, back when I was a manager, I had to dodge questions. Like, he's, like, jumping around his seat, and people would pepper me with questions. These guys these days... Don't ask any tough questions. So he's criticizing the fact that the media, the pool, and that's not true. There's some guys that actually ask really tough questions every once in a while of Tony. But that's what he's saying. But then his partner there on the postgame show, Garfine, immediately says, well, that's because not a lot of people cover the team. We don't have that many people that cover the team anymore. No, no, that isn't Uh, the case. Wait, 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 wait. wait. That isn't the case in any way. That isn't the case in any way. That is a false narrative that gets pushed by a guy who has unfettered access to the team and would prefer that all the podcasters and bloggers and independent writers who cover this team like a warm blanket and really deep dive in the stats. And I'm not just talking about us. There are people all over the place that cover this team very, very well. In addition to the mainstream media that I think there are some guys in there. There are guys we have on this show that I think do a good job, right? Oh, not not all of them. There's some really excellent reporters that that, that that we've had. Right, exactly. Not all of them. There's a few of them that I'm like, why is this guy still on a beat? Okay, we don't put those guys on our show. But I, I, like, there's some there's some good people out there. But here's the thing: the White Sox and Winston Churchill said this best back in World War II: never let a good crisis go to waste. The White Sox didn't cause COVID nineteen. They they may not even intentionally be trying to use COVID nineteen to be able to do this. But let's be honest: when you have to go on a Zoom call. To make everything flow good, there isn't like two reporters shouting over each other. The team is able to figure out exactly what order the questions are going to be asked. When Tony La Russa was having his rough stint at the beginning of the season, 
There was constantly a reporter that they were always going to first, and she would immediately ask the most softball question you could ask. Tony, how does it feel today? Tony, are there, uh, is everything going okay? Like there were, there, everybody wants to talk about the fact that he screwed up a call or didn't know that thing uh, with the with the runner on second base and the extra innings, like he didn't right. know the rule. People want to ask that question, but over the Zoom, the White Sox give the question to somebody they know isn't going to jump on Tony, and they let him ease into the interview and they control the interview. I would do that too if I were them, right? Like I'm not they saying they should that, be doing that. Yeah, that's not that's not a problem. Exactly. I'm not saying I wouldn't do that. But the idea that it's the same right now as it would normally be, they're controlled. They're, they go in an order determined by the team. The team knows the personalities of the guys asking the question. And there are an awful lot of people like myself and people over, let's say, like Sox on 35th, Jordan Lazowski, uh, James Fox, who is an excellent, excellent when he covers this team. Those guys aren't given any access whatsoever. The team chooses to keep a small pool that gets access to their players and their coaches that ask questions. They could expand that very easily. So if if the complaint is that there's not enough people covering the team, let more people who cover the team have access. Like there's absolutely no reason, and it don't even include me in it. There's no reason that some of these guys that cover this team, like the guys from Future Sox, like there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to get on a Zoom call and ask a question. If you want more questions and a bigger pool of reporters, it's right there at your fingertips. They don't want that. But don't wax poetic about the fact that like, well, it's just a shame nobody covers the team. That isn't true in any way whatsoever. There's just the people that are allowed to cover it fully and the people that are not allowed the access that they, that they some of them deserve or at least could get and would do an excellent job with that access. So that, that bothered me the other night when I heard that narrative. Okay, and please don't think this is me saying, well, Socks in the basement should be in there and, and nobody else. This is me saying, no. don't say that there's people that don't cover the team and there's less people that cover the team. There's probably more people that cover the team now than when Ozzy Guillen was a manager. It's just a question of access. And it's also the fact that it's controlled through Zoom calls. All right. So th- that's the real reason. I don't know what the heck they were talking about on the postgame show, but that isn't real. That's smoke and mirrors. The real reason is complete control over the Zoom, when they're going to, who they're going to call on and everything else. And like I said, I would do the exact same thing. And they make a conscious decision as to who they will allow access and who they will not allow access. That's why there aren't as many people peppering players and coaches with questions that Ozzie Guillen wants answered. Well, and, and I wrote about this on the Mismatch Sox blog a ways back when, when we had this conversation before about the perception that the Sox are a second-class team in this city. And some of it is self-inflicted. And if you are going to limit access and you are not going to open up the coffers and the access to, to you know, a number of journalists, even going outside of, the, you know, the, the two, three major papers we have, the networks, and you are going to try and control some narrative there, yeah, you are also going to have sort of this self-inflicted feel of, well, there's only a handful of us that really care about this team. And I think, I think in some ways that's the way the Sox want it. They want it to be this little niche community, but they don't always acknowledge how big that community really is. Right. So I'm with you. That That is an aggravating thing to hear. Right. I, I don't understand why, I don't understand why they're going off of what's getting sent out on Twitter. Like it seems like they have their phones and they're reading Twitter like the rest of us. Like why are they allowed to call up and ask a question? What is going on over there? I mean, it's the same. It, 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 I don't think it's the White Sox. It seems like it's because of the the actual channel 
that's not that, that's trying to save money and they don't send Benetti and, and Stone to the games. But tell me the White Sox couldn't step in there and make sure that that happened. Really? You're telling me there's no yeah. way that they could sit there and they could fix that problem right now as an organization? Some of that stuff is really weird to me. I mean, the good news is the fact that the biggest problem right now that seems to surround the team is not the actual play on the field. The play on the field is great. The team that's been right. created by Rick Hahn is great. He's done an excellent job. His front office has done an excellent job. His 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 player development guys are doing great. Chris Getz is doing a great job. Nick Hostetler is doing a great job. I mean, there's just so many guys. You could just run off a list that have done a great job putting the team together. The team on the field is great. There's great chemistry. Everything there is great. But then it almost puts a spotlight on what the heck is going on in the peripherals when it comes to, like, communications when it comes to like how they get their information out, when it comes to like, you know, the, the waxing poetic about the fact that nobody's covering a team. Yeah, there's lots of people covering the team. What are you talking about? You know, the, the weird oddities with the traffic that we talked about the other day, the the strange things that are going on inside of the ballpark when it comes to trying to get food and beer and access to different things. And there's no real explanation. The, you know, I would rather have those problems than team problems, right? So that's fine. Oh, yeah. I'll take those problems. Okay. But they're all really easily fixable. Like, it'd be really cool if we just kind of cleaned that up a little bit, right? Let's just, you know, somebody take a look at what's not working with this stuff and do a better job at it, all right? Like, I I, I want my team to be world-class. I love my team. Let's, let's get to world-class. Because in certain areas, we're not right now, okay? And please, don't ever say again that there's not enough people covering this team. Oh, my God. That, like, I sit on the couch sometimes, and I get headaches. And, and, and generally, it's stuff like that. And you know what the only cure is, of course, is a 100-level hot dog. So we got to get those to Chris's house now, too. I can smell the 100-level hot dogs. I just can't get one. Just can't get one. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.